Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. This is episode 83. I love Champions League. That's uh, Erling Holland's middle name, aside from Brout, right? It's because he says it all the time. And I honestly, I love it because that is how it feels to have this competition back in its real form. I say that because last season and the season before, there were a lot of you know games without spectators. And even though as a Chelsea fan, watching my team win it for only the second time in their history, it didn't carry that same weight. Something seemed to be missing over the last two years from the Champions League. Even though we got these crazy storylines like Bayern Munich beating Barcelona 8-2 and different teams going a long way, finally it feels as if the competition is really back and it's all because of the spectators. Very similar to how we felt about the Euros. There was just something special that we all know they bring and it was very clear once again i think about last season one of the one of the main sort of symbols to what sort of covid football felt and looked like was real madrid playing at valdebebas the alfredo di stefano stadium now i know that they were there not because of covid but because they are renovating the bernabeu but there was just something about real madrid you know the kings of Champions League football, right? Playing in an under-23 stadium. And I think that that was, you know, obviously separate in terms of reason, but symbolic of what it felt like for Champions League football during the COVID era. I mentioned being a Chelsea fan. The first time they won the Champions League back in 2012, I was uh, across the street from the Whole Foods that I worked at at a bar, you know, Colorado, this game is being played at 1 p.m., so there's there was no one in there on like an idle Tuesday or Thursday, Wednesday, I think it was. It was still the, when they did the Champions League in the midweek. And I just, when Didier Drogba tucked away that penalty, I sprinted around the entire block of, of, of the city right there. I just went up fully around, hands up, just running, you know, Celebrating just on my own, essentially. Um, left my friend behind at the bar. We, was, we were watching it together. And that was how it felt, right? And it was because Chelsea winning in the Allianz Arena in front of all those Bayern fans, you know, backs against the wall the whole match. There was something so special about that. When they won it last year, there was something weird about, okay, you know, they've beaten City. There's some fans in the ground, but, like, the road there just felt weird, right? I remember, I think they played games... A lot of teams were playing matches not actually away or not actually at home. They'd just be at neutral venues around. And so there were things like that that happened that made the Champions League just not feel the way it normally does and a special. And so this season, we're going to get it. Uh, it all it all got really, really reminded. Like the spectator reminder was made clear on the first match that was shown. And that was Young Boys against Manchester United. The game in Bern, Switzerland, and the fans at the Wangdorf were amazing. Look, first of all, this is probably the nicest plastic pitch I've ever seen because it took me quite a while to figure out that it was artificial because it didn't have black stuff bouncing all over it. You watch Seattle or Atlanta play, and it's just the, and the ball is rolling, and there's the black rubber shooting up out all over the place, which is ridiculous. But this actually looked pretty good. Um, I, I didn't know the reason why I'm saying this. I didn't notice the roll of the ball be all that different, or that it was super quick. So don't know what they're doing with their turf, but 
seems pretty good. Either way, the home fans in that state for young boys were outstanding. They were amazing. Amazing, too, that Man United ended up relinquishing the game because for the first 20 minutes and when they scored, CR7 getting another goal from beautiful Bruno Fernandez Trivella cross. After the red card for Aaron Wambasaka, the crowd really started to, I think, push their team more. In the early parts of the game, they were cheering and cheering. Even after Man United scored, they just kept singing and cheering, and it seemed like everyone was excited about the experience. But once Aaron Wambasaka was red carded, and then once they equalized, that is when things really took a turn. And in the end, Jordan Peefock in the 95th minute, the American international young man scoring at the absolute death and sparking pretty wild bench clearing, pitch invading uh, celebrations from the young boys crew and, and all their and all their players and staff, which was great to see. Great to see. So they win 2-1. For Man United, look, I I don't think this is one of those performances that you look at and go, ring the alarm bells, things are wrong. Because up until the sending off, Man United did not look like they were going to lose the game at all. I mean, they looked like they were going to win maybe 2-3-0 pretty easy because they were in such control. And with the players that they have, you know, there's every reason to believe that they're going to they're gonna find ways to score goals. Would they have conceded one? Maybe. But young boys did not really look all that much capable of competing with a, a full squad of, of Man United players. Once the red card went, I thought Solskjaer's decisions for substitutions were interesting. I wouldn't say they were bad, but definitely interesting. And Man United had no shots on target after the red card. And look, it, it's Champions League game. I understand you want to be you know, resolute when you go down a player, but you still have to find ways to threaten the other team's goal, which they did not do. And I think that would be a source of concern. But I would say Man United in this group, they probably are going to be all right as long as they bring quality performances, especially at home in the remaining games. In the same group, and this is important to note, Group F, that's what this one is, Atalanta and Villarreal are also in this. And they played out a pretty thrilling 2-2 draw at the Estadio La Ceramica. La Dea, who are Atalanta, that's how they're known, is the goddess. Uh, they look just as dynamic, energetic, creative, and dangerous as they have for the last few years uh, under Gasparini, who really is a, a, a footballing coach genius. Obviously, with him, it's just a question of when the magic starts to just run out and he's got to move to another club to to rekindle it. But, you know, it's still the same kind of thing. You know, you have Duvan Zapata tearing it up. Robin Froiler and Gosens getting goals. You, know, you can do the interchange of different players in the park who can give you so much. And I, I love the way they play. I was a little concerned because the results at the beginning of Serie A season haven't been great. It wasn't looking at their games much that maybe something was starting to wear off. But no, they, I think they look fantastic. And then on the other side, you've got Villarreal with Unai Emery who, look, people in England don't really give him credit that he's due because of you know, his stint at Arsenal. I get the feeling this guy is a hyper communicator. And the way he was trying to speak in English, his second language, I just don't know how well his personality came off in in England. And I think in Spanish, a guy who's pretty eccentric, that might be the thing. It's like you watch, look at the teams he's coached in Spain. He's always successful, right? He was outstanding at Sevilla. And now he's doing great things with Villarreal as well. The fact that they drew 2-2 was interesting, too, because Villarreal in the first 20, 20 minutes of this game 
were getting run all over the place. And when you watch Villarreal, you sort of you, you ask yourself, are they just going to sort of defend and try and grind out, you know, counterattacking opportunities? And and then after about 20, 25 minutes of the game, they all of a sudden come into it. They weather early storms and then they start dominating. And I saw this with Man United against Man United in the Europa League final. They, they looked like they were going to have a really tough day for the first 20, 30 minutes. And then all of a sudden they just got themselves in the game and then they took over and they did the same thing in the Super Cup against Chelsea. So watch out for this Villarreal team. They they are extremely resolute and they don't they just don't give up. They stick around and they make life difficult and eventually they grow into matches like just surprisingly well. You don't really expect it. So this group is going to be very tense. I think that because Atalanta and Villarreal are quality sides and then Young Boys are a team that has a little fortress at home, I think points are going to get dropped all over the place in this group. And Man United, they're really going to have to get their full stock of points at home. They're going to need all nine because on the road, it's it's a it's going to be very, very difficult every single one of these games. Moving on to Barcelona. My goodness. They were bossed by Bayern. A um, little alliteration here. Let's have some fun. It's really damning to see the Bavarian behemoth bully the collapsing Catalan club. Yeah, in such a manner too, it was brutal. The era of Barcelona as an elite force in Europe is well and truly over and needs a reboot. Obviously, Leo Messi leaving is kind of, I mean, it's it's clear. It's a clear mark. There was the Frank Reichardt era where, you know, he was, he, he got, got them a Champions League. Of course, this was Ronaldinho's time sparkling for the club. And then Guardiola came in. And that was when we really saw the revolution of Barcelona because prior to Guardiola, it was still a lot of big-name players. I mean, if you look at Barcelona's squads in the period before Guardiola came, it's tons and tons of big-name players, players who were having who had maybe a great Euro or World Cup um, or really good Champions League with a different team. Bang, they were, they were at uh, Barcelona. And Barcelona, once they, once they hired Pep Guardiola as the coach, they did a complete just rebirth type of transition where they just went back to La Masia, the youth, and their own culture and formula as a club, right? The, the essence, the DNA of the club. This is what they're going to have to do again because at this point, everything is caving in. They're, the fans are booing Sergi Roberto, who is a club captain, Academy product has been there forever. Actually, scored the game winner in La Remontada against PSG all those years ago, and he's being booed off the pitch. Apparently, reports say he was just in tears in the locker room after that because it's got to be really difficult. Guy takes takes a pay cut, does everything he can. The club, let's be honest, they just cannot. This team cannot compete against the top, top, top teams in Europe at the moment. Will they be able to in coming years? I think there's every chance if they really go back to their initial base culture and formula they have they have that option when you look at Barcelona in the past that's what they did they were bloated with tons of big stars they had just too many players that were clearly bought because they were huge names and top quality but they didn't necessarily play the Barcelona way I mean Pep Guardiola reset everything you've seen this over the course of time drag out where they relied heavily on youth at first and then you started seeing guys like Suarez and Neymar being brought in and Rakitic. And 
Umtiti. And, and, and they had really great success by bringing these top stars in. But now is the time where all of that sort of goes away. They're not, they don't, they're not buying top stars anymore. They're losing them. And so now they have to rebuild. And they've got La Masia. That's what your academy is all for. Meanwhile, to touch on Bayern, look, they look imperious. Uh, I, I, I think for the last, even when they when they won it with Hansi Flick, they were the best team in Europe. Last season, I think they were still the best team in Europe. They were knocked out by PSG, and I, I think unfortunate fashion. They were all over PSG. If you remember those games, it was the amount of chances that they were creating and and narrowly not scoring. Pretty unlucky. wasn't was insane. And and also remember. Lewandowski was not playing in one of those matches. So you look at Bayern and you say, well, full strength, this team is still the number one team in Europe. I don't think there's really any doubt about it. It's certainly not Chelsea. I think that they're very good. I think Man City are very good. But no, I think Bayern are the, are the team that's the real machine. So there's my Champions League favorite right there. All right, Group C. Ajax played to a 5-1 thrashing of sporting in Lisbon. And Hala to Haller, who scores four goals. It's a pretty amazing haul for a player who did really, really well at Eintracht Frankfurt. Was part of that machine that that tore up the Europa League. Were only knocked out by were knocked out by Chelsea, the eventual winners that year. They had Luka Jovic in that squad as well, who ended up going to Real Madrid after that season. So that was a big year. He was a huge part of that. Goes to West Ham and has a stinker of a six months. Moves to Ajax, and if you remember, there was actually a story where they didn't register him for the remainder of their Europa League games last season. So I don't think he he didn't get to play in Europe last season. So here he is on his European football debut debut in the Champions League, I'm sorry, scores four goals, something no one has done. And I will say this because, and I got to give a shout out to Gab Marcotti from Gab and Jules Show. There's been people saying, oh, it's the first time since he's the only player to do it aside from Marco Van Basten. Well, Marco Van Basten did it on his debut. It wasn't his debut. It was just his first game in what is called the Champions League now. He had already scored loads of goals in Europe. So this is a technicality of a stat, and those, let's be honest, they're pretty useless. So I just wanted to go out and hit that one. (laughs) In the same group, Dortmund, they went to Istanbul to play Besiktas. And pulled out a 2-1 victory thanks to the sheer brilliance of Jude Bellingham. The Birmingham City boy, he had his jersey retired at Birmingham. uh, Left at 16 to go to Dortmund. And I remember memes and all kinds of stuff. People saying, this is ridiculous. You're retiring the jersey of a 16-year-old who played how many games for you at the senior level? Like half a season? Well, now we know why. Jude Bellingham is something... Special. I mean, I, I, I think he's in the crop of you know the top five, six teenagers in world football, and I think he's coming for Calvin Phillips's uh, spot in the England team. And look, Declan Rice, I think, has his solidified and is only getting better at the moment. But how do you not play Jude Bellingham? He's an old-fashioned eight, like box-to-box midfielder, plays like a grown man, and he is just. He's exceptional, and I, all all of the hype he's getting, it's totally worth it. And what's cool for Dortmund is it's not just Erling Holland that gets all this hype, right? It's not he is the number one part of the hype train, having scored yet another goal in this game. But it was assisted by Jude Bellingham, so you, you do 
you do see in Dortmund this incredible ability to not just produce one major youth star at a time. They've got a few, and it's it, I think it's fantastic. So I'm a big, big fan of Bellingham. I don't know who isn't, but yeah, I'd love to see him as a mainstay in the England squad pretty soon. All right, moving on. Chelsea beat Zenit in a game that, quite frankly, should have ended in a draw. Uh, if it weren't, if it's not Lukaku scoring with his only second, maybe 1.5 chance of the game, really didn't didn't really have many looks in the game at all, but scores an excellent header from a terrific Cesar Azpilicueta cross. There weren't really many t- clear chances for either side throughout the game. But Zenit looked dangerous, and with a few minutes to go, Artem Zuba should have equalized, made the game 1-1. This is going to be an interesting group because on the other side, you've got Juve, uh, who mauled Malmo in Sweden. Alexandro scoring his first uh, goal in European competition, as in outside of Syria and and, in Italy, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, maybe things will quickly improve for them in the post-Ronaldo era. You know, Dybala scored a goal as well. So they have a, they're a good side, Juve, and this is a great way for them to just get off the ground running. Zenit are going to be the tough team in this group, especially at home, if they're able to to you know chisel points away off of Chelsea and and Juve. Then it pretty much comes down to if everyone beats Malmo and everyone collects those six points, then it really is about which points you picked up on the road and were you able to get full the full collection at home. So this will be interesting. I do think Chelsea and Juve will glide through, but Zenit look like they could pose them some problems. All right, my boys, Lille, Lulosk, they have had a terrible start to their Ligue 1 season. They lost last weekend to Lorient, and it's just it's not going great at the beginning. They looked fantastic in this game. Back to the side that they looked like last season. They weren't able to pull out the victory, drawing nil-nil against Wolfsburg with John Brooks getting himself sent off. So not even against 10 men, they couldn't quite break him down. But it was nice to at least see the signs of what they delivered last season. Looked pretty good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is Group G, and the other game in this also ended in a draw. So everyone's got one point. It was Sevilla against Salzburg at the Sanchez-Pijuan. Okay. Goodness me. Four penalties. Two of them missed. Uh, by Red Bull Salzburg. The first one, uh, Karim Adeyemi just totally fails his penalties. <laughs> the second one, Luka Susic comes up and he's getting pelted by the fans. You know, they're just screaming at him, try, you know, trying to get in his head, trying to trying to mess him up, and he scores and then goes and cups his ears to the crowd and really lets them know, yeah, 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 keep talking. I scored, I scored, I scored. Before Sevilla equalized, with their own penalty scored by Luka, by Ivan Rakitic. Susic got another chance. Just 15 minutes after he scores, 37th minute, gets another opportunity from the spot. All right? He's already egged on the fans for scoring once, misses this one, and he is out of the box and turning around towards midfield quicker than you can imagine. I mean, this guy gets out of there. He's like, uh-oh, shouldn't have done all that, and then taking a second penalty and not scored it. Strange game, though, because in the end, goodness me, Yusuf Enyasiri, a player I really, really like, gets a second yellow card for one of the most gross dives you'll see this week. But let's move on to something a little more fun here. Sheriff Tiraspol from Moldova 
They went through the qualifying rounds to get to the Champions League. This is a very legit way to get into this competition. It's brutal, right? You start early. You're you're going in early August. You're playing games home and away that really matter. If you manage to get through them and get to the Champions League group stage, the payoff is huge. So for Sheriff Tiraspol to make it all the way to the group stage of the Champions League, kudos to them. They get a 2-0 win on their debut, beating Shakhtar Donetsk. And, I mean, it's a great story. It really is. It's, it's awesome. It, it, especially because on the other side of the group, this team, this club, they get to host Real Madrid and Inter Milan. I mean, for the fans, this is the dream of getting to the Champions League. You get the Real Madrid to play against. So, Real beats Inter 1-0 right at the end. Rodrigo getting the goal. Inter were pretty good. I think they were better than Real Madrid. Should have scored their chances. The Nerazzurri, though, they need to deliver this year. Because I know that Sheriff Tiraspol is a great story. And that Shakhtar can be a difficult team to play against, especially away. But Inter Milan have got to get through the group stage this year. They just have to. I mean, it's two years now. And they've just got to up it. They've got to up their game and get there. Uh, Real Madrid will. There's no doubt about it. And let's see if Sheriff Tiraspol can give us another couple stories. I don't think Shakhtar is going to be the talk of the town, really, for anybody. All right, Group B. Uh, look, this will be tight for second place. I think Liverpool are in this group. Obviously, This is the one where I think the winners are clearly going to be Liverpool. They look the part. They dealt with a pretty pesky AC Milan who were stubborn, stuck around, and even though going down 1-0 against the run of play, go 2-1 in at halftime. <clears throat> Only to be beaten. Hen- Jordan Henderson scoring an awesome volley from just outside the box. Daniel Maldini. Uh... The youngest of the Maldini footballers now. This is a third generation after Cesare and Paolo. This is, you know, he gets his debut. It's kind of amazing to have a, three generations of players all debut at the same club. It's 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 pretty cool. But I do think in this group, you, it, it's it's got to come down to really a fight between AC Milan and Porto and Atleti, the other two teams in the group. San Porto and Atleti drew nil-nil. Jan, yeah. Um, but look, they're both, they're both good squads. Uh, Porto are resolute. Don't, don't, don't discount Porto. They always have good teams. And right now they're pretty well, they're organized side. They're going to be pesky in this group. So Atleti, I think they're the team with the most to lose here because AC Milan props to AC Milan for getting back into the champions league. This is really, it's, this is where they belong. So now you've got a team like AC Milan back where they belong. You've got a Liverpool who, you know, feel like they belong as a team that's always going to be getting out of the group stages. Well, what does this leave for Atleti, a team that over the last five, ten years, this is punching above, they've been punching above their weight from what they used to be historically for a long time. So who is going to take second spot in this group? I think this is going to be one of the closest uh, just fights for a second place only. I think Liverpool are going to run away with first. All right, Group A. Let's finish with the first group and the one that is going to bring in the most amount of headlines probably throughout this competition. It It is PSG versus Bruges, the first game I want to talk about. What an awesome environment in Belgium. I mean, Bruges, they really brought it. They It was raucous. Man of the match was Noah Lang, uh, who was great, really impressive. And, I mean, they maybe should have won the game. They created more chances and had more shots. Ander Herrera, the goal scorer for PSG. And you got to love it for Bruges. These these are guys who the defense especially and the goalkeeper are always going to be able to say, 
You know, we played against the Eminem, Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe, and none of the three of them scored on us. There was a guy that had a sign at the game that said, have mercy, Messi. Well, um, they didn't need it. Bruges were incredible. They were really impressive. So what are they going to be able to do at home? I don't know. What are they going to be able to do on the road? Look, the home crowd definitely had an impact on how well they played. But PSG weren't great. So, look, I, I think there's a lot to come from that front three. Calling them the M&M is pretty cool. I, I enjoy it. I do hope they deliver this season and actually inspire us a little bit. Whether they win everything or not, I'm not really too worried about it. But it, it is really, really cool. Congratulations to Bluch for that one. And maybe game of the week, RB Leipzig Man City at the Etihad. Wow. I mean, City City are such a machine. They can score goals and, and rip apart teams with such regularity. But I don't think they have that same metronomic way when it comes to dealing with transitions in games and, and lulls in a game where you're so on top of a team that you have to still stay that way because sides in Europe are good enough that if you give them five minutes of a foothold in the game, they can score, which Leipzig did three separate times. And Kunku getting all three of them, and a pretty impressive hat trick. And then Joao Cancelo's bomb from outside the box, that really ended it, right? It was 4-3, that makes it 5-3, and you're feeling like, okay, you're not going to come back now. And then there was a red card, and then uh, they got a sixth through Gabriel Jesus. But Man City, I mean, they're loads of fun to watch. So are Leipzig, so this group's going to be great. And then you got PSG and Blues. So, uh, yeah, probably the, the the group with the most amount of um, just glamour to it, right? I think it should be the most fun in that sense. All right, that does it for this Champions League update episode. The main thing that I want to address soon, the conversation about headers. So I, I want to, in the next episode, I will actually dedicate a little bit more time to this because I want to see what they learn, what FIFA learns about this match that they've proposed about having headers only in the penalty areas in the first half and then no headers at all in the second. As a coach and as a purist and lover of the game, that sounds terrible to me, but I actually want to explain why and what I think we are doing with this whole conversation and debate about heading the ball. So we'll get to that at a different time, but until then, enjoy your weekend, enjoy all the football in all your leagues. This is Campfire Football, I'm Sebastian North, have a good one.